Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. As it's a holiday week, we're revisiting a cast from the archives. Building a network comes into, well, practically every cast we do. So we hope that you'll enjoy the reminder of all the details. And welcome to the Managed Tools Podcast for Tuesday, May 9th, 2005. Hi, this is Michael Ozan, and on behalf of my partner, Mark Horseman, and I welcome to Manager Tools. Now, if you're a manager, don't think for a moment that someone else is managing your career. Those days are long gone. You are managing your career. What you do, not only in job skills, but also in what we call transition skills, will be the primary determinant of your career success. You're not going to have the richest, most rewarding series of roles and opportunities by allowing someone in HR to know enough about you to get where you want to be or where you need to be and succession planning won't save you either. And one of the most important of the transition skills is building and maintaining your network. Most people are terrible at it. We know this because they have no network. Now, notice that we did not say that skill was networking. That term conjures up smoozing and cocktail parties, and too many people don't like it. So we're not suggesting you do that. We're suggesting you build and maintain your network. And it only takes three simple skills. And today, we're going to walk through them. Stay tuned. Have we talked about networking before on the show or no? I, I went back and looked. I thought for sure we had, but we have not. And, uh, yeah, it's an important, uh, that's an important piece yeah. of people's and I career. Think, yeah, and I think it's important that we make the distinction between building and maintaining the network and networking because nobody, almost nobody except me, likes networking. Um, oh, you just just the term the term networking itself is yeah. People people think of networking as schmoozing and going caca parties and and you know and chatting people up and exchanging business cards and going to networking events the chamber puts on and they hate it and and i understand why um and, and um this this show is not about networking um uh we really couldn't care less about um the schmoozing aspect of networking uh, the issue have you ever gone to one of these um so-called uh, networking events have you ever been to one yeah. of those yeah i have How'd you yeah, like it? It, 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 I, I hated it. Um, first of all, it was a bunch of small businesses looking to glom onto big businesses that had contracts that the small businesses could satisfy. Um, it, it was totally about what the, the person who was approaching the other one could get from the other person. We'll talk about that in a little bit. It was just, um, I mean, every once in a while you meet somebody, but, but it was too focused on getting business. It was a sales event rather than a building your network event. And I think that's the distinction I want to make between networking, which has turned into a, a word meaning schmoozing, meaning the cocktail party person, um, you know, the person who, quote, knows everybody, but people think of as kind of a salesperson, and building your network, which is creating connections with people, treating people well, um, and over time, staying in touch with people so that when you need them, you have a enough of a relationship with them that you can ask them for stuff after having already done stuff for them first. Okay. So, okay, so this show is about building and maintaining your network um, versus yes. networking. So I'll make sure I get the uh, the show title when I put this up correct. Because I think right now good. I have it something about networking. So Okay, all. good. Excellent. And we'll probably need to come back to this a number of times over the course of the next few years. Yes. Oh, gosh, I would say... You know, when I think about the network, 
that I have that other people talked about. I remember when I first started consulting, my my would-be business partner says, man, you have a Rolodex that's like gold. I didn't even think about it. I just felt that like I knew a lot of people because I was good at staying in touch with them. Um, but yeah, I, I would suspect easily 10 shows in the next five years. So, so Mike, there are three basic techniques or rules that we're going to suggest that people use for building and maintaining their network. And those three rules, they really are techniques, but I want to make them rules because I want, I want to elevate them to the point of, if you do these things, you're really going to be effective and they're, they're powerful. Um, the three rules are um, build volume indiscriminately. Um, the, the rule number two is give, 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 not take, take, take. And rule number three is stay in touch. And uh, all three are very simple to do. But before we do that, um, let's talk, let's get some basics out there, some things, just some background so that people know what it is we're talking about when we talk about building and maintaining a network. Um, these are things that you can't really do, but that's important to know. Uh, and, and as with all Manager Tools Cast, we'll get to the stuff that you can do here shortly. Um, the first basic is a, is, a, is a cheesy one, but it's called the ant and the grasshopper. And basically, I, I'm sure everybody remembers it. It's Aesop's fable of the ant and the grasshopper. It has a very important lesson for people's networks. And I get calls all the time for people who behave like grasshoppers and expect charity from the ant. Um, you know, in, in the fable, the ant was industrious and worked hard all spring and summer, built his house, laid in stores for the winter. The grasshopper whiled away the hours and fiddled and generally had fun the way grasshoppers do, I guess, <laughs> and was terribly ineffective at preparing for the coming winter. And when winter came, the ant was fine, and the grasshopper, basically in the fable, was destined to die um, a miserably cold and certain death because um, he didn't do what he needed to do when, when there was an opportunity to build in stores for the winter. And the lesson about that is that... that uh, your network is, is like that, and it's a bit like like saving for retirement. You do it now. You build it now to use it later. And most people are terrible at preparing for their retirement, uh, at least according to the statistics in terms of our saving rates and so on. And uh, I would say that many, many people that I talk to, probably 90% are grasshoppers when it comes to uh, building their network. But when you get laid off, when you miss that sure thing promotion and think, ah, I need to go somewhere else, you know, the, the, the writing's on the wall. When your spouse decides that he or she needs to be closer to grandparents um, or to move back to where they're from, uh, you know, either you're going to be the ant or you're going to be the grasshopper. And like I said, 90% of the people I talk to are grasshoppers. And you can either pay a little bit at a time now or you can be in a great deal of pain later. later. Okay, so we're going to look for people with the grasshopper genes. Yeah. <laughs> um, next, the modern corporate structure, Mike, really demands that people build their networks. Not that they go around networking, but that they build their networks. I'll never forget working in a huge, uh, uh, major corporation that is uh, has a huge office building uh, spread out over numerous, numerous acres and in, in little modules all spread out. And they're all connected. You never have to leave the building when, um, if once you come in in the morning. And um, I would be at one end of the building and somebody would say, hey, listen, I need to work with somebody over in that part of the company. Do you know anybody over in building A? And I'd say, yeah, sure. Well, what's going on? And their response would be, well, I don't know anybody over there. I thought, God, this guy's been here 10 years. I've been here six months. 
And he's expecting me, an outsider, to introduce him to somebody in his own company. And he could literally walk over there. I said, no, I'm not going to do it. I just want you to walk over there. He says, well, who, who would I talk to? I said, just talk to the first person around and tell them what you need, and they'll point you in the right direction. And he was just stunned that I would suggest that. And he said, well, I really don't have time. So I picked up the phone and called somebody over there and said, hey, listen, I need to talk to somebody who knows something about this. Oh, that would be this person. And even though I didn't know that person, you know, we had the man, one manager talking to another within about five or ten minutes. Um, and basically, 30 years ago, Mike, um, internal corporate power basically came from people's roles. The role was very hierarchical. It was a very vertical situation. It was very much command and control. And that role was sufficient to get most things done. Um, the, the hierarchy 30 years ago existed to apportion real organizational power. But now organizations have gotten so much flatter and a great deal of the role power that comes from a job is gone. Now, structure today exists to apportion responsibility, not power. Um, the power in organizations rests with the individuals and not with the roles they're in. Um, so pretty much the manager or executive today without the right people in her network is without power. Um, so the new flat structures put even more emphasis on your network. If you don't have one, you're going to be in real trouble. Yeah, that's that rings very true in my experience. And nothing gets done except through the network yeah. to some large degree these days. The the informal corridors of power. There's all kinds of phrases that academicians use, but basically it's who you know and what do they know and what are they willing to do for you. And and I would be willing to bet that what they're willing to do for you is directly related to how much you've done for them and how recently you've done it. <laughs> it sounds terribly uh terribly mundane, but that's probably what it boils down to. Um, also, good networks are very diversified. I want to share a couple of principles in just a moment, but for now, we just have to recognize there's a natural tendency over time to be adding more of the same type of people to your network. Um, this will make your network bigger, and unfortunately, to some degree, therefore, less easy to manage, but it won't necessarily make it more valuable. Um, diversity in roles and culture and background and industry and skills and locations and hobbies will always become more powerful in the long run. God, I wish, you know, I wish, Mike, we could make this mandatory for all of the 25, 23, 27-year-old listeners we have. Um, think about where we would be if we really had stayed in touch with everybody we knew starting at graduation. Oh, I share with my yeah. 19-year-old son all the time the, the fact that I, that I really, early on in my career, did not get this. I didn't understand what building your network was. I wish I, I yeah. wish I'd been better at that, to be yeah. quite honest. And I wish I'd been better, even though I have a good network. I just think of all the opportunities I missed. Um, silly. Yeah, well, um, it's, it's, yeah. You can't, you can't, you can't predict ahead of time who or what you're going to need sometime in the future. Right. And the only one of the the most powerful hedges against that is, you know, developing a network of resources that you can call upon. But yep. again, you can't predict you can't predict who it is or what you're going to need. So you better make it diverse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So related to that are two principles that are important to keep in mind. One is called the proximity principle. It makes it easier to start your network, but, it, but it's harder to win in the long run. And basically the proximity principle says that you tend to add people to your network that are closest to you. Those people who you see most frequently, work, church, home, soccer leagues, charities, and so on. And there's nothing wrong with that. And it's good to think of formalizing those relationships in terms of making them part of the network that you have um, to get started. But if you stay too close to home in the long run, when a big layoff hits or you have to move or you get divorced, your network is in a shambles right at the time that you need it. 
So again, that goes back to the proximity principle tends to make us less likely to engage in the, the effort at diversifying. And so we need to keep in mind that tendency. Yeah, but if you have that um, really close at hand network that you just talked about, it's it's great because at the layoff, you can all get together and talk about yeah. your, your your mutual pain. <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, you can have a, you have your you have an immediate uh, um, uh, support group. Yeah. Um, Do you know anybody can get us a job? Oh, no, yeah, I don't. Do you? No, 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 no. We're just going to talk about how it feels to not have a job. <laughs> oh, man, that's cold. It's good, but it's cold. Um, and then the, by the same token, there's another principle called the similarity principle, which just basically says this is the opposite of diversification. You're going to be naturally drawn to those people who are similar to you in experience and background and training. And again, it's okay to add those people, those people you click with, you want them. But the gems you want in your network are the ones who are distinct from you uh, in many ways. Okay. Now, um, there are a number of ways to categorize networks. And I'm not even suggesting people need to do this. But here is a suggestion, a way to think about the robustness or the strength of one's network. There, there's a hundred different ways to, to break it down. Um, you know, I've got thousands of people in my network, and I've always thought that it'd be great um, if every once in a while I would actually take time and categorize them and see where I'm strong and where I'm weak. And yet I've never gotten around to it. Um, uh, I think it's just because I'd rather talk to people rather than sit down and analyze an administrative list. Um, but basically, um, when, I, when I think about networks for clients of mine, for our firm, what I think is your first, your network should be robust around your present employer. In other words, you should have both uh, internal to your employer members of your network, and you should have external to your employer network members. So one of the ways I break down my, the professional part of my network is internal and external. P most people, Mike, make the mistake of thinking networks are only external, but that's not true. We just talked about the whole flattening and corporate structure, and you alluded to your experience uh, as an executive. Um, you definitely want to have an internal network. You should know who in the organization you can go to and for what. And you want a similar network. Obviously, this is the one that most people are aware of externally okay yeah now I, I tend to think of the internal one as the network that helps me meet helps me be more effective in my job and the other one being a network of opportunity and risk management it's not always true i mean if you're in sales right. then an external network is very valuable but in in for a lot of for, for me at least the internal was about effectiveness and the external was risk and opportunity management yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, I, I do have one example that uh, that makes it, in my particular case, sort of a funny example, but it, but uh, a little bit different than that, which is when I was in the Army, I called some friends of mine in corporations and said, hey, have you guys ever done this before? And they said, sure, we do this all the time. Here's how you do it. And I went, wow, that yeah. made it easy. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a very good so, point. So you can leverage your external network for internal growth and for, you know, obviously professional improvement internally within one company. Most people don't think of it that way. Um, but if you start, if you have a really robust network, it, it provides that opportunity. But in general, you're absolutely right um, that, that the other one is for, you know, one is for job and, and professional. The other one is for risk management and so on um, and for career as well. Um, now, another thing that's helpful in terms of thinking about a network, and as people are building the network, it might be something just to keep track of to say, how am I doing along these categories, uh, is to break into three separate categories, task, career, and social. And the reason, more detail there, task is what your specialty is. You're an engineer uh, or you're in sales, okay? 
career are those people who can help you advance either because of their roles or connecting roles or here's the key industry relationships uh, and social is just what it says it is friends and I, I kind of see a, a three by two matrix that has internal and external as, as columns and then three rows with task career and social and and that might help people get a sense of how are they doing in terms of a balanced network there will be some that will be weighted more heavily than others but you want to be careful most younger people tend to focus only on the internal network in their organization and if you have a small organization that puts you in a really dangerous situation there are other ways to think about that though and they all work fine probably okay so look there are more principles we're going to talk about a lot of the principles in future casts that we're going to do but let's get to our trademark which is okay <laughs> what do i do how do i build and maintain my network let's touch again on the three rules build volume indiscriminately give 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 and then stay in touch with rule number one you don't you don't i thought you used to call that the uh, control shift k yes Principle. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm afraid if I call it con control shift K as the rule, people will go, what? I am, you know, and because it's the third rule, it'll take us 15 minutes to get there and people will be wondering in the back of their mind, when's he going to get to that? Um, so, yes, it is, I, that, the unofficial title for rule number three, stay in touch with, is control shift K. And those uh, I'd be you, a lot more worried if you had a rule that said uh, that you called the control alt delete rule. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. which, which is, by the way, my laptop is acting up lately. I've been using control alt delete a lot. Well, that, yeah, Control-Alt-Delete is what I did after the MCI WorldCom fiasco, so. We'll, ah, yes. We won't talk about that. Yeah, okay. Um, so, uh, rule number one, build volume indiscriminately. This is the most important of our three rules or the techniques. Uh, it's, it's most important because it makes everything else so much easier but for some reason, people violate it. They tend to, for the wrong reasons, people tend to not get this one. What we mean by this is that uh, your first approach should be, to building your network should be to accept anyone into your network. And I'm going to say that again. Anyone. Anyone. Do not discriminate. I'm quite serious about this, Mike. Don't discriminate, you know, even if it's a janitor. Um, uh, even if it's a kid. high school kid. Hmm. Yeah. Um, here's, here's the issue, Mike. When most people start networking, they start identifying who they want in their network. They try to analyze who they need and why. Um, and what happens? I've seen it. They, they start doing this and it actually becomes a killer because either one of two things happen. Either they start developing this long list of people that should be in this perfect network that they're never going to go ask. And so it becomes just an administrative process to build this virtual network that's never going to come true or um, they don't know how to actually go ask and because these people in most cases the first people people think of are important people um, no one really knows whether they're doing it right or not and they never progress past this step so if you're and, an entry-level programmer maybe the the ceo isn't the first person on your list well, exactly. And, and I'll tell you something. Um, I go to business schools and um, I, I actually have given a talk about networking in business schools. And people came and, came and said, uh, hey, um, you know, I really want to meet the CEO. I said, well, don't start with him. You know, technically that you, you could go out and, and, and bag somebody in the movie Wall Street. It's, you know, they call it bagging the elephant. Um, I mean, you can do that, but that's really not network building. That's, you know, hunting somebody down um, network building is about creating a broad robust diverse network of people um, 
and and then over time developing the relationships that are going to be the ones that are the most powerful um the 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 problem with thinking carefully about who you're going to have in your network and, and identifying key people is usually people tend to think upwards so in other words you're always working up it's like you have a board of directors of 100 people which is which is not really a network um but but it makes the first step so much harder I just recommend don't worry about who should be in your network. Just start adding people, high school kids, librarian at your son's school, um, your retired neighbor who is a homemaker, the church secretary. Um, seriously, those are the kind of, I, have, I have people like that in my network. Um, now, okay, but what are those people going to do for me? That is the classic question I get from executives. I'm like, yeah, what is, okay, two answers. First, in just a minute, we're going to talk about rule number two, give, give, give. Okay, and, and, and that'll answer that indirectly. Second, consider this. If your thinking and approach to networking starts with what that person can do for you, then that is the response everyone whom you tried to have to add to your network will have about you. She's out for herself, or he's out for himself. He's all about number one. You will fail about fail at building your network if this is how you approach things. People who who People who are starting a network who say, what can I get from this person? And then go try to create a relationship with the intent of getting something from them in the future. Walk around with a big red sign in their forehead said, please avoid me. It's all about me. I'm not going to care for you. I'm not going to give to you. I'm trying to get something from you in the future. And I'm prepared to schmooze you now in order to get it at some point when I really need it. Hmm. Now, now, um, look. Like over the course of your life, you and I both talked about it, you're going to lose people in your network. If you're too careful about who you put at the top of the funnel, if you will, if you think about this as a funnel, um, then the bottom of your funnel, when you actually need these people, is going to be almost empty. It's only going to have your spouse and your direct reports in it, and that's not much of a network. No not offense much. to your spouse. Um, and and here's the other thing, and I've alluded to this already. If you haven't done built, if you haven't built a network before. This means the first few times you interact with people and you, you, you don't tell them you're adding to your network, but the first few times you talk to people and get their contact information and arrange to stay in touch with them, you're not going to do it very well. You're going to make dumb mistakes. Um, and it's fine. That's okay to make mistakes as long as you build volume indiscriminately. But it's not okay to be making mistakes only with the people that you've identified as being the most important person in your network. But if you make those first, at the same time that you're not having, you don't have good skills at building the network, at, at, at shaking hands with people and getting to know people and offering them favors when they need help and so on, um, then you end up burning all of the potentially, quote, best, unquote, people in your network right away. Um, now, if this sounds countercultural, I, I think it is because most people are so terrible at networking and because they put such a negative um, spin on it with their whole schmoozing and cocktail party kind of mentality. Um, if you're wondering whether or not we're the only ones saying this, we're not. Um, a book that we recommend, Love is the Killer App by Tim Sanders, who is the chief solutions officer out of Yahoo. I mean, I I'm going to read from one of our favorite books. It says... Um, this technique works best, in other words, this is talking about, we're talking about networking, uh, building a network. This works best when it's done with the underlying philosophy that every person is potentially relevant to you and your network. Don't screen anyone out. Sometimes people who may appear powerless or insignificant are potential stars waiting to rise. 
Sometimes, someday they may become a keynote in your network, and they will remember that you were on their side before they went large. That's from page 119. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So, indiscriminate. That means the thing I should do when we're done shooting this podcast is uh, fire up Outlook and do a mass mail to every single person on my email list. Yeah, maybe not so much. (laughs) No. No. Uh, Building a network happens one person at a time. And I have a suggestion about for for people who travel. I'm I'm getting on a plane um, tomorrow. Um, for people who travel, um, every trip add one person to your network. For people who don't travel, add one person to your network every week. If you do this for five years, you're going to have. 200, you're going to lose some people, but you're going to have 200 people in your network. That's a great start. And of course, they're going to add people as well. So there's some geometric progression there. Uh, One person a week. Now, if you you always try to go out and get CEOs to be in your network, then that might be, that might sound pretty onerous. But if you're you're being broad and indiscriminate, like like this rule says, then one a week seems a fairly uh, easy thing to accomplish if you focused on it. Yeah, I, I, I think a good example is you go to a cross-functional meeting on a project that you're on in your organization, and there's seven or eight people at the meeting, and you've only met two of them, and you stick out your hand to one of them, and you've known a little bit, and you like this guy, and he seems pretty sharp, and you say, hey, listen, can I buy you a cup of coffee next week? Or, hey, listen, I really enjoyed the comment you made. Um, I'm going to send you an email about something I just read, and, and we're going to talk more about how you stay in touch with them, but Literally, that's all it is. Hi, my name's Mark. It's nice to meet you. I'd like to get to know you better. Or, hey, that was a good comment you made. Uh, I, you know, where, where's your cube? I want to stop by next week and ask you a couple of questions. That's all it takes. You, you, you change it from uh, a chance meeting in an in, a chance meeting at a meeting into an effort by you to strengthen a relationship that, in a way, already exists because you're in the same organization. And if you're in an organization and you travel, two people a week. One person at the office and one person outside the office. Okay? Good. Um, and, and the analogy that I give, some people, somebody suggested this analogy to me a few years ago, and I like it. The analogy to have in your mind is not trophy hunting. It's commercial fishing. You know those big nets that bring in the thousands of fish, Mike? That's yeah, what yeah, yeah. people should do. In fact, some, some fish are going to fall out of the net, and that's okay. Um, but it's not trophy hunting. We're not trying to rifle shot the 50 people that will mean the most to us. Because that won't work, and you'll stumble, and you'll regret it, and you'll feel awkward, and it'll put you off to building your network almost immediately. Hmm. Okay. Um, you said rule two is give, give, give. Tell me, tell me about that a little bit. Yeah, you know, this is a funny one, because most people think of networking as trophy hunting and then getting favors. And in fact, the really, truly great network builders um, uh say, no, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give to other people when I can, as often as I can, so that when, if in fact I do need something, and I may never from this particular person, when in fact I do need something from this person, they will have seen me as somebody who's given. And if they are keeping track, which let's hope nobody who's listening to this podcast is keeping track of who owes whom favors, this is not calculus. Um, If they are keeping track, they'll recognize that you've given to them a number of times. And actually, I think there's a... a, uh, there's a principle of this in um, in Bob Cialdini's book. Um, yeah, reciprocity. Uh, reciprocity, exactly. In his book, Influence, he talks about, look, if you give something first, people feel obligated to, to reciprocate in some way. Um, but basically, this goes also flies in the face of the whole trophy hunting mentality. Um, 
if you're out there trophy hunting, you're going to be sending a message that says, I'm going to use you later or even, God forbid, right now. Uh, and the best people to know in the long run are not people who are going to be impressed by somebody who is out there trophy hunting. Um, something else people do, I call it baiting the trap, um, they try to disguise their intent uh, to build a network by doing something that's basically sucking up for somebody important. Um, all I can say about that is, look, no offense, folks, but we can see you coming. Um, it happens to me when people understand what kind of network I have uh, and the people I know, and it does not work. Now, look, we don't mind if you buy us lunch. Um, that's great. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna invite us to lunch, we kind of expect you to pay. Um, but but keeping track of who's paid for which lunch is really not necessary. Um, the the people in my network that I'm closest with. Um, it's, I just always offer, they always offer, we fight over a little bit, and I can't tell you who's paid how many times. I'm sure there's some people I've paid with 80% of the time and other people I've paid with 20% of the time. That's not what it's about. Um, so basically, if you believe in the reciprocity that is inherent in the concept of building a network, that's good. But, it, but that reciprocity shouldn't come to the forefront immediately. That's really not reciprocity. That's not building a network. That's favor trading. Favors will get traded in your network. There's no question about it. That's part of the reason you have it. So that if you're down and out, if you get laid off, if you get divorced, if you have to move and you don't know somebody where you're going um, or almost immediately and you have to leverage your network, um, favors are going to get traded. You're going you're to do that. Um, but when they get traded, it's going to become a byproduct of the trust and communication you've built up over time. And it's not a tactic in the beginning or a metric to keep track of um, ever in the process. So, uh, uh, the, the, something I'll add is that there was a study I read about in, in Harvard Business Review a couple of years ago. They put a bunch of business professionals in a room, and they, it was clear the purpose was, the expressed intent was to help them network. They actually wore location transmitters, and the studies show whom they talked to and whom and for how, who talked to whom and for how long. Um, and the study essentially concluded that people didn't follow the guidance that they had been given about diversity. Investment bankers congregated together, marketers kibitzed among themselves, and there wasn't a lot of cross-pollination, when in fact the whole purpose was to try to get some cross-pollination going. Because people like talking to people who know and like the stuff that they know and like. Um, but I thought what was fascinating was the person identified as the best at building his network in the room was the bartender. Hmm. Um, and and here's the key, the thing to me that made it cool was Everyone came to him because of what he offered them. It wasn't what he got. It was what he gave that made him a good networker. And I found that's been true for me as well. I'm willing to do favors for almost anybody and, and favors repeatedly over, you know, many, many years. I have people that call me and ask for favors and I coach them for an interview and then I help them with their resume and then they call me about an issue with their boss and I never ask for any money. I'm happy to answer the question. I'm happy to do the best I can. Uh, is, there ever, is there ever such a thing as um, too much giving, Mark? Um uh, Yes, if if you'll ask my business partner, he'll tell you. Yes, in fact. Yes, in fact. One, one can do too you much. Do it all the time. Yeah. Um. I, yes, I do it all the time. And and you know what? That's a function of the concepts of building a network coming into conflict with who I want to be for the rest of my life. Um. I don't think. And, and you know, we, we make this about me, but the fact is, there are people out there who are listening, Mike, who say both of you are giving a great deal. We spend a great deal of time doing this. Um, it's been my experience that the joy in my life comes from giving to other people. Simple as that. Uh, I'd rather have more joy. Yeah, I'd rather have more joy than more money. Um, now, 
my corollary to this rule is you give and give and give um, until it hurts, and then you consider Mike's guidance to you uh, to us about um, being careful. Um, offer to help people in any way you can, at any time you can. Learn more about them every time you talk to them to make your giving more focused. Be attentive to their needs. Offer others in your network to help someone that you know. Yeah, that's. I was going to make that point, which is sometimes giving doesn't necessarily mean giving five hours of your time, but it can be putting somebody in your network in touch with somebody else in your network. That that that's a tremendous amount of value. Don't yes. underestimate it. Yeah, and in fact, uh, Tim Sanders in his book um, "Love Is a Killer App" talks about getting out of the way of introducing two people, and then because there are two people who are talking about what they need to talk about, you being there is kind of creating friction. And if you're always involved in every connection, every broker deal you make, if you will, between two people, you're going to be busy doing nothing but that. So you want to create, you want to create value even when you're not there. Um, so if anytime you can do that, that's a great, great thing to do. Yeah, we're going to have to come back to that in a future podcast. You're right. Making yourself the central node in the network is not your objective. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah, you you want to be a facilitator of new nodes being created and new connections being created rather than everything going through you. Unless you want to have a, pay a staff of people just to take care of your network. Right. It's about connections, not nodes. Yes. But we'll come back sometime about that. Yeah, good. Okay. Um, rule number three, the final rule. This is the Control-Shift-K rule, uh, which is stay in touch with. Um I know Why do you call it Control-Shift-K real quick? Okay, Control-Shift-K is the keyboard shortcut that you can use in Outlook where if anybody's, if you're a computer, if you're listening to a computer right now and Outlook is up, um, click on Outlook uh, to make it active and hit Control-Shift-K and up will pop a task box. And then if you hit Control-G, up will pop the recurrence dialog box, which asks you how often you want to have this particular task recur. Okay. And well, let's come back to that. I just yeah, wanted to yeah. touch on that before. We'll come back to that in a second. I do that. I, I do that 20 times a week. Control shift K hmm. and then control G. Um, okay. When you think about it, Mike, if you're going to build and maintain a network, you've got to get people into your network and then you got to keep them there. <laughs> um, <laughs> the problem is people might actually be good when they click with somebody. They say, oh, I'm going to add this person to my network. This is a person I want to stay in touch with. Have you ever said to yourself, I, this is a person I want to stay in touch with. He's sharp. She's interesting. She's uh, got a lot of clout in an area of the country I'm interested in, whatever the case might be. You say to yourself, I want to stay in touch. And then for some reason, so many people don't end up staying in touch. Um, All the time. Yeah. It, it's it's the, the, And I would argue that those people never really get into your network. Because just having a chance meeting with somebody and exchanging business cards, you know, heck, that happens a billion times a day in America. But but getting somebody into the network and staying with them, that's really what makes them part of your network. Right. It's um, not only about the quality of the communication, it's the quantity yeah, you, you alluded to your son, talking to your son. I've been talking to Kate and Travis about one of the most important things about college is making friends and staying in touch. Um and we, we all just fall prey to enjoying friendships that we run into. But as we move and change jobs, people just tend to fall away from us. Um, I, I actually have a high school friend, Mike, that I was really close with in high school, junior high school, high school. We were very, very close. Group of small group of guys that were just very, very close friends. We went to different colleges. We lost touch. And then I can't remember how we reconnected, but we did. And it was great. I mean, we caught up on old times. But at the same time, I felt like an idiot because he's such a great guy. And I missed years and years of friendship with him that I would have traveled to see him wherever he was. Um, 
Well, a few years ago, this guy became a C-level executive for one of the most well-known companies in all of America. Um, his role is, I mean, it's a trophy role. Um, and anybody in his field with his specialty would take it immediately and consider that to be the end role of their career. And of course, he's only 45 years old. Um, and he has some serious perks that are very limited in the world. And he has access to them and makes them available to me. I, you know, I may never ask him for a favor for his role. And I, and I do do favors for him every once in a while. Um, if I had found out now, after he had been in that role for a while, and then I, he had sensed my interest that I may re-kindle re, uh, the relationship, I wonder if he might have thought that I was doing it because the role he was in. Uh, maybe it doesn't mm. apply in this case, and he and I were friends when we were 10 years old. Um, but, but it makes a difference, and you need to be, stay in touch with people even when it doesn't appear that they add any value because five years from now, 10 years from now, they may add value. And you want people who are more senior to you wanting to stay in touch with you because in five or 10 years, you may be more, more valuable to them at some point because of your location or your job or your spouse or your connections or your company or whatever else. Okay. So, um, how do you stay in oh, touch? I, I, I just figured out who you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, there are some serious perks for that guy. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you called him out of the blue, he would have absolutely assumed that it, you called him because of his yeah. position and yeah. his access to those perks. <laughs> And now I stay. Okay. Now I stay at his house and take advantage of the perks. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for different reasons. Yes. Um, okay. So how do you do it? And this is the easiest rule of the three to do. All you have to do is capture contact information for that person. I don't care whether you write their name down on your arm or you have to get a business card or whatever. Uh, and then you simply make a note to stay in touch on a recurring basis. That is it. People who tell you you need to send articles or you need to send Christmas cards or you need to make it clever or you need to do something different to make yourself stand out, don't bother. It doesn't work because you end up spending all your time thinking to yourself, well, I need to get get ready to, to touch base with that guy, but I don't have anything to share. I don't have anything new. I, I don't have an article that relates to his business in the financial accounting business or whatever. Right, so you never do it. They never do it. It becomes. Yeah. It, it's a bit like why managers don't coach, Mike, because they think coaching takes a lot of their time, and so they say, "Out oh, of heck with it. We'll just let him sink or swim on his own." Well, the fact is, if you want to stay in touch with people, all you need to do is Control Shift K in Outlook. Uh, we'd love to hear, by the way, from somebody else uh, for those uh, technologies that they use, uh, how to set up recurring tasks so we can post those on the discussion forums, or you can post it on the discussion forum and then we can read about it. But Outlook is so prevalent, you hit Control Shift K, up, up kinds, comes a task, and you start the task with stay in touch with, and it, for instance, if it was me, it would be stay in touch with Mark Horseman. And then you put a date down for that. Maybe it's a month or six weeks after we meet, um, and then you hit control G, um, and a control G up comes a recurrence and you say, I want this to recur every quarter and don't put an end date on it. And then you, then in about a month, you're going to, you'll have forgotten about me and then you'll be reminded and you'll pick up the phone and you'll say, Hey Mark, um, how's it going? Um, hope this finds you well. I was in Dallas the other day. I thought about you. I hope your move went well. Um, I hope your new job is excellent. I, you know, really hear great things about manager tools. My work's fine. My family's fine. Best wishes. Um, call if you can. Enjoy your weekend. Bob. That's it. You said qu quarterly. Is that a good number? Or how about every six months or once a year? Um, Something like you that. You know, I find... Uh, I prefer quarterly, and with some people, it's monthly, Mike. Uh, you know, I have some people that I talk to, I want to talk to once a month. 
um, because we're very close. Um, and yet we're all so busy that if we don't, if I don't have a reminder, sometimes it slips and I look up and I said, my God, it's been three months since I talked to Robert. How, how can that be? Um, yeah, so you, so you manage your, your, your network and you probably don't think about it as managing your network, but you, you make sure so that your network is strong that even those who you are closest to, you schedule it. Yeah. You make sure that you talk to them once a month. Yeah. I have a stay in touch with note for you. Yeah. Yeah, at least once a week. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> even more than that. But but I have a note if for some because I don't want to have to suddenly think about your role changing. Let's say for some reason we both rich and retire and we go separate places, and and uh, you know, I doubt that'll happen. But if that's the case, I don't want to have to say, oh, my relationship with Mike changed, and so now I have to go in and I have to modify my my network. I don't want to do that. So I put a recurring task on there that has no end date that says I'm going to talk to Mike Ozan every month. That way, if for some reason something happens, I know at a minimum we're going to be talking once a month. Yeah. Now, um, I don't recommend much longer than once a quarter. Um, and I'll tell you, you know, there are days when I open up Outlook and I have 50 people to stay in touch with. Um, now, it only takes a minute or two, and so it's not that big a deal. Uh, most people will, I'm sure there's some people who are listening right now. So, see, I, there was a reason why I didn't want to do this all along because when my network gets real big, it's going to be really hard to manage. Yes, it's going to be hard to manage, but boy, does it pay dividends. Let me assure you. <laughs> right. Um, but do, do you have, do you always have to talk to them? Can you no. leave a voicemail or send a look, quick note? Look at I use email all the time, and, and email is asynchronous, so they're going to get it and they're going to be reminded of you. I just want to remind them that I'm thinking about them. So email is fine. Voicemail at seven o'clock in the evening is fine. Um, you know, calling them. Uh, you know, you want to be careful about calling people's cell phones on the weekend because they'll pick up, and you don't want to bug them. Um, you know, when they're with their family or some stuff like that. Um, I generally don't recommend going much less than once a quarter. Oh, once every four months is probably fine. I find that if you do it once every six months, Mike, and then you miss one, suddenly you're doing it once a year and you might as well just send a Christmas card and everybody knows <laughs> Christmas cards are kind of a joke, right? Um, yeah. Christmas is not a joke, but the issue of sending a thousand business, thousand Christmas cards out to all your business friends, it just becomes an administrative nightmare. Um, so yeah, email is great. I love it. And, and people send notes back all the time. Hey, great to hear from you. Hope you're doing well. Got promoted doing this, doing that. Um, and what I do in my case with Outlook is if the, the germane part of the mail that they send to me, I copy and paste into the notes section of their contact. Hmm, okay. So the next time I talk to him, I can remember that, you know, Joe got promoted or his wife got promoted or they had twins or whatever. Um, and you know, yes, I keep track of kids' names, but not terribly well. I don't remember everybody's kids' names. When I when I remember to write them down, I write them down. But the most important thing is name, phone number, and email address. And Control Shift K and Control G set up a recurring task about once a quarter to stay in touch with them. And you send an email, you send a voicemail, you call them on the phone and say, "Hey, was thinking about you." saw an article about the Chicago Bears and thought, hey, it's that time of year. I hope you're having fun at the games this uh, this year. Hope they have a chance at winning the title. Um, good luck. Hope things are going well. Give me a call if you get a minute. Mark. Hmm. That's it. Well, these three things are pretty simple. I, I suspect that uh, if somebody did these three things, they'd probably be in the 95th percentile in terms of networking. Is that yeah. and, you know, a fair bet? One of the things I was, I was thinking about when I got ready for this, Mike, is that, that – um, I think when people do things new, 
we ought to make it as simple as possible. In fact, it's kind of like Google. It's a little bit, this is kind of a beta approach. Don't make it complex. Don't build a, a, a complex structure that you have to fill in with people. Just just build volume indiscriminately, give to them, and stay in touch. And, and you can do that with anybody, and you can practice, and you'll get better. The harder you make it by planning to make it perfect in the beginning, the more likely you are to delay it. And then, of course, you won't have any network, and it won't. Pro- and without a network, it can't provide you any value. And then, and then you'll get frustrated because it's too complex to execute at first. And yeah. You give up and you get nowhere. Yeah, just don't let. Yeah, this is just don't let some formal, correct, precise way of interacting with people stop you from just picking up the phone or sending an email. And so that's it. Great. The wrap up is three simple rules: build volume indiscriminately, give, 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 and stay in touch, or as we like to say, control shift K. Very doable. Yep. Thanks, partner. Thank you very much. Hope people put this to use. Yeah, me too. All righty, we'll see you later. Well, that's it, folks. Thanks for joining us this weekend. We hope you uh, got something useful out of that. Um, it's that time of month again. Those of you who are long-term listeners, you'll know what that means. Um, please, if you haven't done so already, go to Podcast Alley and vote for us there. Uh, it's easy to do. We have a link on the website at www.manager-tools.com. Um, it's easy, and Mark and I really appreciate the show support when you do that. Also, if you haven't uh, signed up as a registered listener of Manager Tools, please do so. We're getting ready to sign up very shortly, the third in our series of uh, DISC podcasts, and we think you'll really enjoy this one. In the meantime, any feedback can be sent at show at manager-tools.com, and be sure to join our discussion forums at www.manager-tools.com slash forums if you haven't done so already. There's a lot of great discussions going on there. We'd love to have you uh, come and join us. So until next week, folks, have a great one. So long.